I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive my car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around and the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 119, 10 Things I Hate About You. I'm back on the episode after last week. (laughs) Just like easy, Matt. Less is more. (laughs) Matt's referring to his volume seemingly being a little bit lower. Which is what people prefer. Yeah, well, at least I do. You were giving the people what they asked for. Yeah, so we're back in the saddle. That's right. Now. This is our, I, I, I think this is our golden territory a little bit. The Shakespeare reimagined in the teen high school rom-com realm. I think, we, what, we did one other movie. But it's one of our favorites, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the audio man. commentary yeah. of She's the Man. Well, I don't you're know if the, is one of our favorites. Maybe not as a podcast episode, but as a movie. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Maybe. Yeah, well, we've done two Andrew Keegan movies <laughs> now in the last couple of months. This and Camp Nowhere. Very few people can say that. Pretty much the only two things he's known for. Yeah. A couple of movies set in Seattle, 10 Things I Hate About You and The Fabulous Baker Boys. So it's kind of all coming together for us here. Yeah, and we also did The Secret World of Alex Mack recently. That's right. Which yeah. stars Larissa Lanik, who's also in this movie. Yeah. So we're really like, doubling up on a lot of stuff. And right also, now. I mean, really, like this movie, a little bit of like a precursor for the future, like Christopher Nolan, Batman movies. Yeah, it's Heath like a Ledger, prequel. The, yeah, then Jogo. <laughs> Jogo. As always, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on iTunes. Folks, you know. We took a little bit of a break. We did so much in October. Now we're trying to ease our way back into it. We're a little bit rusty, but, yeah. you know. We're not even seeing movies. Haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Everything's kind of up in the air right yeah. now. <laughs> well, anything's on the table. So we're just trying to... The, the other option for this, obviously, was to do an audio commentary, and we know people don't really want to hear that. So, <laughs> <laughs> But we're, that doesn't mean we're going to rule it out. No, we will do one <laughs> soon, probably, yeah. but we did something a little bit differently this time. Usually, we'll watch the movies well in advance, kind of like organize our thoughts and notes, uh, maybe even multiple viewings a-, a lot of the times for me to really 
Yeah, you're get in there. Not really checked in right now. I feel no. like. Yeah, that's okay though. I mean, it's kind of like it's the dark season right now. I kind of got a, a lot on my plate as far as Hulu shows to watch. The amount of hours that you need to sleep. Yeah. So, what we did was we just got done watching Ten Things I Hate About You, a movie we've both seen multiple times, obviously throughout our lives. But does it really stick with you though? The little things definitely don't, but... <laughs> Did you remember the character names? No. After we were done? The one thing that I will say about watching it now, at this point in my life, is that it's not a great movie. <laughs> Revelation. I definitely think it holds a special place for people. It's kind of one of the iconic teen movies of the late 90s, which was obviously a big time period for that genre. One thing I, I mean that definitely sticks out to me talking to you about this stuff is like, it is like really hard for me to pinpoint when all of these movies came out. A lot of them seemingly came out in 1999. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> a whole lot of them. Yeah. Drive Me Crazy and She's All That. Like, if you could just like chronologically list all the movies from this genre and era by order of which they came out. Well, I know Can't Hardly Wait came is out in 98. Is that number one? Oh, I was thinking that was 97 even. Okay, so 98. What? She's the Man. Was, was 99 like this? <laughs> no, she's all that. Or she's all that, yeah. no, yeah. she's the man. But, like, that's the thing. I mean, I wouldn't, you were talking about this before, and it's like Julia Stiles. This was, like, her breakout role. It's like, I mean, I, I could have easily been convinced that Save the Last Dance came out before this. Yeah, that didn't come out until 2001. Bring It On? What year? Bring It On. I 2000? I think Bring It On was 98. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know. It, I feel like I was it all in, kind of blurs I, I'll tell you together. What, I feel like I was in eighth grade for every single one of these movies. You probably were, okay. at least for most of them. It was definitely a condensed thing. Like now that we're older and time seems to go by so much faster, it would be <laughs> such a blink of an eye, and all these movies would have come and gone. But you know, when you're going to school every day, and your life seems a lot slower, I it's have like two, this was like a huge time yeah. period of this. I actually I have two versions of this in my life. It's it's these movies in the late '90s, and then um, in like the mid 2000s with like The Ring and The Grudge and all those movies, like the remakes of the I, Japanese horror. Well, just yeah, like that period. Even like the first Saw movie, I swear, like somehow I saw all those movies the same fall. It felt like, yeah. Yeah, I kind of know. What you or mean. like maybe it was like the Ring Two and the Grudge Two, like and yeah. and, and saw like the, I just feel like that was the other version of this for me, where like all of those kind of similar horror movies were coming around at the same time. Well, okay, so <laughs> moving on from that, Ten Things I Hate About You, loosely adapted from William Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew, which. Not kind really of, a PC term, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, certainly know? not the most Me Too era right. friendly Shakespeare entry. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like I get so annoyed when people try to like go back and retroactively criticize fucking John Hughes or something from another decade. It would be insane to sit here and start pointing out things from something from centuries ago true <laughs> it's like people we've evolved we've grown we weren't the same as we aren't the same now as we were 20 years ago let alone 300 years ago or whatever so obviously things have changed and <laughs> that's right. having a difficult woman at the center of the story would nowadays kind of be seen as like a positive thing whereas i think in shakespeare's time it's kind of like boy she's annoying yeah we need to really kind of like get her 
you know, on the same she page as the rest of us. She just needs some serious deep digging yeah, right. to calm down. No, I mean, I do think that they do a fair job in this version of the story, 10 Things I Hate About You, as portraying Kat as something to aspire to for younger girls. I don't think she's portrayed that negatively. She gets her own fair yeah, yeah. share of comebacks and lines. She isn't just a punching bag. I think she's of like, portrayed as being like smarter than most of the people that she's surrounded by. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely hard-edged, and she's got her guard up the whole time. Up Smarter, but end, it's just but like, come on. Who wants to hang out with her, though? Yeah. I mean, the, I think the idea that they were going for kind is that she's a little bit of a drag. Right. And I, I mean, is that fair? I don't know, but I think that they make sure they cast somebody who's insanely beautiful, Julia Stiles, and she's portrayed as like, as you said, smart, but also like she can dish it out. Right. Yeah. You know, she doesn't take anybody's shit. So like, she's never like just this one-dimensional nagging character that we hate. In fact. The movie starts out centered around I will say, I Cameron, mean, who's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and by the end of the film, Cat is the main character. It is hard to actually tell who the main character is here, who this movie well, is about. Well, I think about. I, just, I literally just explained it. Yeah, I know, but I, I mean, think it starts out as Cameron is the main character, and over time it shifts, which is kind of a weird thing, but by the end of the movie, Cameron and Bianca's storyline is definitely in the backseat. That's true. It, it is. becomes about Cat and Patrick, and Cat is our hero because we know that Patrick has kind of done something wrong and that he has to like make up for it and yada yada yada. Yeah, as we know. Ending, we know whatever. how it goes. Yeah, I mean it is insane how similar the end of this movie is to like she's all that. <laughs> Several movies. Just, yeah, it's all kind of the same premise. But people were really into that. Usually like a band playing some sort of synchronized dance sequence. Yeah, there was a band and a prom. I, we were trying to remember the band that's in Drive Me Crazy. It and also, I feel like the there's a Donnas? band in uh, She's All That, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, it was definitely a thing of the time period to get a band in there. That's true. In Remember in Clueless, wasn't there like a swing band or something? I, I, I mean, Clueless <laughs> was a little bit before my time, you know? I've definitely oh, seen it, but okay. like... Well, you're saying you've never seen it? No, I've seen it, but like, I just don't like consider Yeah, I mean, I was 12 era. when Clueless came out, so you would have been like... Negative three. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. you were born in 1998. That's right. No, but I mean, I think we've t we talked about this way, way back when we did Can't Hardly Wait on the show that we kind of thought that that film was kind of the guy's preferred movie of this era and this genre, and that the girl's preferred version is probably She's All That, but I think it's maybe equal to 10 Things I Hate About You. This movie definitely oh, has sure. a pretty solid following. I can following. remember being in whatever it was, yeah, I mean, 7th, 8th grade or whatever, and, like, girls in my class talking about this movie. I mean, like you said, this wasn't, like, a monster movie, but I feel like if you were a teenager at the time, there was a good chance that a lot of people saw it. Yeah, this, I think we... Your peers, certainly. We looked it up. This movie had, like, a $16 million budget and only made, like, 53.5, which is yeah, a big success, but... Yeah, in our minds, coming from the target demographic that this movie was for and all of these movies were for, you kind of hold these movies up as like, they were these huge things. Everybody saw them. Everyone in your school was talking about them. And yet, that probably wasn't true because it's not like it, this was making Titanic money. Well, no, no. You know what I mean? But it kind of... That was multiple viewings for most people, though. Yeah, but it kind of felt like these movies were that important to people, and yet... They probably weren't. 
I don't know. It's all about like perception, I guess. That's a good point. What are the two house rules? Number one, no dating till you graduate. Number two, no dating till you graduate. So the movie opens with Cameron starting school at this new place in Seattle. We don't really get any backstory about Cameron. We never see his family. We don't know what his situation is. He just kind of starts at the Not school. a lot of adult characters in the movie, really. No. Uh, we've got the classic kind of trope of the dad who really just doesn't want his daughters to have sex. Is that kind of yeah a thing going on here? I mean, I feel like that, that was just such a, a character, I guess. You know, it seems like the John Ritter type character. Yeah, I mean, I always find it weird that like to be that invested <laughs> yeah i mean it's I always like, kind of creepy i mean yeah that's the thing that's like i understand like you know wanting them to be safe and not wanting anything bad to happen but it's just like this is a little bit too intimate or personal yeah i mean it, obviously like the extreme example is like beverly's dad in it where he's like wanting to check to oh, see if she's no. still a virgin or check whatever. back on the uh it <laughs> Just stuff to- like that where it, obviously there's like an extreme version of it, but just even just being that invested in it and trying to infantilize your daughters to the point where they never grow up. And Larissa Olenek, who is supposed to be at least like a sophomore in high school, is still calling her dad daddy. Yeah, he definitely movie. seems like, I mean, it feels like there would be some traumatic after effects for it, for these girls, you know? Right. And I mean, we... I pointed out that it it's kind of just one of those movie things where it's an absurd plot point and it gets even crazier by the end <laughs> right. because at first it's like they're just not his daughters Cat and Bianca are just not allowed to date and then it becomes well Cat is the shrew so Bianca's not allowed to date until Cat decides to date which yeah, I guess a- in the dad's mind is going to be longer than when they graduate it feels, I don't know uh, but- manipulative on multiple levels but it's just an absurd thing to come up with and then stick to as if it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. But you just kind of go with it. Really and it's kind of like Footloose where it's like a town bands dancing and you're just like, yeah, this is a plot of a movie. <laughs> like you just kind of accept it. Like, yeah, right. okay, I get it. Because that's the thing. I mean, uh, realistically, he's just using this crazy rule to get what he wants. But as soon as it was like not going his way, I, that's the thing. It's like we need to treat this rule like it's Bible. Yeah, it's absurd because... If he can just make up this arbitrary thing, he could just be like, when Cat decides to start branching out socially, you know, midway through the movie, he could just be like, well, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> you can't is... go out. Right. Forget it. And the whole idea is he's like a doctor that delivers babies. So he's constantly referencing about, like, like teen placentas, pregnancy. like falling out all over the place. <laughs> and he makes Bianca wear like the. Now, pregnant oh, stomach yeah, thing. Yeah. Talk about traumatic experiences. I mean, I, I just feel like that would be something that, like, years down the road, she'd be like sitting in a psychiatrist's office, yeah. talking about like, there's kind of what a her dad made her do. Perversion to that whole sequence yeah. of him, ma- her, him making her wear the pregnancy stomach and the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it's got like you know, like boobs hanging off of it. Even it's just <laughs> yeah, this, big like, pregnant boobs. Right. <laughs> it's just it's not great. So, uh, Cameron, here's the breakdown. <clears throat> Over there, we've got your basic beautiful people. Now listen, unless they talk to you first, don't bother. Boy, is that your rule or theirs? Watch. Hey there. Eat me. You see that? To the left, we have the coffee kids. Oh, that was Costa Rican, butthead. Very edgy. Don't make any sudden movements around them. 
These delusionals are your white Rastas. Uh, they're big Marley fans. They think they're black. Semi-political, but mostly... Smoke a lot of weed? Yeah. These guys... Wait, wait, let me guess. Cowboys? Yeah, but the, the closest they've come to a cow is McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> These are your future MBAs. We're all Ivy League accepted. Yuppie Greed is back, my friend. Hey, guys, how you doing? Close it, Boogie. Yesterday, I was their god. What happened? Hoagie Lowenstein started a rumor that I... That I buy my eyes out at an outlet mall. So they kicked you out? I'll still take over, but don't worry. He'll pay. Now, over oh here... Oh, my God. What group is she in? You don't even think about it, group? Bianca Stratford, she's a soft... I burn, I pine, I perish. Of course you do. You know, she's beautiful and deep, I'm sure. Yeah, but see, there's a difference between like and love. Because I like my Skechers, but I love my Prada backpack. But I love my Skechers. That's because you don't have a Prada backpack. Oh. Listen, forget her incredibly uptight father, and it's a widely known fact that the Stratford sisters aren't allowed to date. Uh-huh. Yeah. Whatever. Cameron starts at this school. Cameron, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he instantly falls in line with David Krumholtz. I'm not even sure what Krumholtz's character's name is. Irrelevant. Just kind of like the Michael. clown character, but kind of putting all the wheels in motion for... I mean, he's kind of the, the chess master here. Yeah, you know? he's kind of... Moving the pawns. He kind of serves as a gateway for the audience as well, because as he's kind of showing Cameron around the school, which we should point out is an absurd school. Oh, it's like Hogwarts School of Wizardry. I mean, in <laughs> Seattle. I think for people who have seen the film, I'm sure they'll know what we're talking about. I mean, they play in this huge football oh, field. Oh, it's like the Rose Bowl. The school itself looks like an enormous mansion. It's not like the shape or design of a typical high school. It just seems like a crazy place. So he's showing him around, and he's also introducing him to like the social structure, which these kind of scenes are obviously parodied in but wait, things no like indication Donna, the that, movie uh, and stuff. Cameron's like a new kid or anything. Though. No, they right? say that. Oh, he, oh, he is. He, yeah, Cameron's new. Cameron's new. And also, Patrick is new too? Or he's been around? That's a little bit unclear. A little bit more murky. It seems okay. like he's been around. I was thinking just Patrick was like a new kid on the block smoking cigarettes. I guess he's just a, like a rough edge dude. I think if I was going like, to try to explain it, I would think that he was new prior to Cameron being new. Okay, right. Like he's been I mean, there for a while. I mean, there's definitely like all these rumors about like his past. Yeah. You know, normally if one is in the picture all along, there's they not don't so really many. ever explain it. Okay. He's just is. They act as if they kind of know. who Okay, he so is. Cameron is new. Crumalt's taking him under his wing, but I do feel like you would quickly. Uh, establish like I don't think I want to be under your wing you don't seem like the person that I want to align myself with you know what I mean I don't yeah, want to hitch not... my wagon to yeah but they don't portray yeah but Cameron is supposed to just be like a good person he does... okay. he's not judging people based off of popularity there's no like social climbing no they have like Cameron. a funny repartee together they seem to click pretty well and almost instantly Cameron lays eyes upon Bianca and is totally awestruck and almost instantly Cromwell's 
overly invested in it, really. I mean, for a guy- well, at first he's like, don't even think about it. <laughs> he's just like, get out of here. It is Zach Schoendorf-esque pep talk. It's just, no, don't yeah, even go come there. On. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> You're not even the same species. Forget it. Yeah. And yeah, okay, Bianca played by Larissa Olenek. Just, uh, I mean, for me, looking stunning in this movie. I, as a kid growing up watching various Nickelodeon shows, I was into the secret world of Alex Mack. She was playing like a tomboy character. You, you don't really think much of it. And then all of a sudden, smash cut to I'm a teenager seeing teenage movies. And like she's playing what's supposed to be like the pretty girl at school. And I, I you know, I'm buying it. I think she looks great in this movie, and it's like, you're like, wow, maybe there's a future here, and it's just like smash cut to like, she's playing a character on Mad Men who like the other characters can't even remember her name. She's <laughs> showing up at Alex Mack reunion shows on YouTube. Yeah, it didn't quite pan out to like a, a huge career for her. I mean, you know, I'm sure she's done okay for herself. I'm not like acting like she's a total failure. I'm sure she's happily married and has I mean, kids yeah, or something. I know. But, but I'm just saying like, yeah, I, I, I kind of expected a little bit more on I, the heels of this. I kind of feel like we could get her to be like a call-in guest for this show. And that's like a sad <laughs> statement for her. I don't know about that. <laughs> At first, Michael Krumholtz's character, he seems to be like very anti-Bianca, though. <laughs> well, he's just like, I oh, she's vapid and she's terrible. <laughs> and I do love that like Cameron immediately is just defending her and he doesn't even know her. Yeah, but you he's get just that. like he's like you can tell from the way she smiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is like meanwhile, so yeah, she was so ready to just like you know stomp on his throat to get to Joey. The only adult we really meet is Bianca and Kat's dad, who we talked about briefly, and also Alice and Janney briefly. So I hear you were terrorizing Mr. Morgan's class again. Expressing my opinion is not a terrorist action. The way you expressed your opinion to Bobby Ridgway. By the way, his testicle retrieval operation went quite well, in case you're interested. I still maintain that he kicked himself in the balls. The point is, Cat. Cat! <laughs> People perceive you as somewhat... Tempestuous? Heinous bitch is the term used most often. You might want to work on that. The amount of yellow teeth in this movie, even. That's something shocking. Or, well, not even to... just yellow, just kind of like not perfectly straight. Right, teeth, yeah. Which I kind of find attractive on Julia Stiles and whatnot. Just because it's just, just like it, a toothpick. It just stands out as something a little different. So we get a little bit of the home life of Bianca Cat and their dad. And this is where we get the impression that. Bianca, who's the younger of the two sisters, is all like horned up and ready to go. <laughs> like she's desperate to get out there on the scene. She wants to be popular. She wants to date boys. She wants to be like a normal. Well, she's getting some girl. attention, you know, from the you know this school. This is not just like some normal school. There's male models attending this school, <laughs> like professional. You know male the models. Bi- the models in the big uh, Seattle modeling scene. Yeah, yeah and uh, there's a lot of tension. Male in the models who hang out with other dudes rocking full-on goatees in high school. Yeah, well, there's a lot of tension in the house because first she has her father who's very like strict and like anti-dating. A lot of issues. And then she also has her sister who she seems to butt heads with a lot because Kat is the complete opposite. Kind of shrill. 
You She's very say? like uh, counterculture, punk, wannabe, kind of like feminist literature. Nonconformist. Nonconformist. Very like think she's very above like the typical high school bullshit whatever although as we know throughout the movie complete fraud once we see what's going on in her bedroom the band fastball poster prominently featured on her wall yeah i'm never like i'm so rarely impressed by the set decorations <laughs> yeah, of know. like teenagers rooms and movies it's always just like thrown together and just like very fake feeling and that's why i love like the little details in movies like juno where they really go the extra mile to like make the backgrounds of the kids rooms and stuff seem more realistic i mean even like olivia thoroughby's character who's not even the main character and we you might even see her bedroom like in the background of one scene where she's on the phone it feels way more real than like julia styles bedroom in this movie which seems like that's true what are some free fucking posters we can throw up on the wall oh and it's just like you know we're, we're getting exposed to this whole like well yeah i listen to like lesbian you know indie rock music or whatever which is just like obviously very relatable for me but you just wouldn't expect her based on what we learn about her and see, you wouldn't expect like her the poster on her wall to be of the band Fastball. Yeah, it's like you. Fart. It's like she might as well have like a Smash Mouth poster. <laughs> well, isn't Smash Mouth like on the? Oh no, it's Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a fucking poser. <laughs> so basically, Cameron wants to make a play for Bianca. Things are kind of complicated by the various rules and whatnot. Bianca's interested in uh, Andrew Keegan's character named Joey. Michael is kind of Cameron's right hand man, trying to like help him out. <laughs> Once and, uh, Cameron like kind of lays this out there, they're like, "Look, I'm gonna land this girl one way or another." I, Michael is just like full on support here. Yeah, he, he's like, he Let's literally hatch had a scheme before Cameron showed up. He had nothing going on, yeah. so he's like, "All right, well, this is something, I yeah. guess." Basically, Bianca and Kat's dad kind of hits the wall with them, mostly because of Bianca's insistence of dating and whatnot. Plus, also Kat wanting to go to Sarah Lawrence and not wanting to go to college locally. So he says, all right, Bianca, you can only date when Kat does. And he's and thinking that Kat's antisocial attitude will... Is going to preserve this forever. You know, yeah. Like this could go on for the rest of their lives as far as he's concerned. So Bianca now kind of desperate tells Cameron when Cameron actually asks her out. Well, now we've got our gimmick, by the way, too. And Cameron basically volunteers to help her and is like, hey... I'll figure out how to get someone to date your sister. Meanwhile, she's thinking like, I don't really care what you do, but if you do that, then I'm going to be free to date Joey. And so <laughs> really just like, you know, Bianca, that's not really the point for me. Well, he doesn't know that. That's I know. What she's thinking. Yeah. Michael is like, well, we need a financial backer who can back our play. And he, he kind of in this brilliant Machiavellian type move is like, all right, well, I know that Joey wants to date Bianca as well, so what I'm going to do is go after Joey, who's rich, tell him this scheme that we want to have this guy who's kind of this Australian... Uh, Badass, like, smokes cigarettes. Rebel thug Goes to character. bars, wears a messenger bag, which you really didn't see much in high school in 99. So our plan is to have him go after Kat, but, like... I don't know. It really is kind of crazy because from Joey's perspective, it's like, 
wait, why are you doing this? Well, I just love that, like, and I understand that, like, not a lot of high schoolers have, like, their own money, but this seems like a rich school, right? Yes. I mean, Kat and Bianca's dad is a doctor. Joey is a professional model slash part-time well, student. Well, I think the idea here, though, is, yes, that there, that theoretically other people could put money up to do this but they had to they wanted to target somebody who would have their own motivation to actually do this i get it but it's like the whole thing there's just this build-up of we need to bankroll this thing we need a guy that's going to bankroll this thing it's just like the original pitch is like he's going to pay heath ledger twenty (laughs) dollars yeah it's like it's a pretty sad business model here well i think don't they approach I think uh, Cameron approaches Patrick on his own, and that doesn't go well. Yeah. So they want to insulate themselves further with another middleman. That's right. I don't know. It does seem kind of crazy because Cameron's already basically professed his interest to Bianca herself when he asks her out and gets this information from her. So it's not like he's even protecting himself from like any possible rejection or pain. He's already put himself out there. And even like Crumold's like, little explanation, because obviously like Joey... Just has this fucking loser nerd come up to him and is just like kind of giving this whole pitch about how they need to like pay this other dude to take Cat on a date. And it's just like, well, why are you bringing this to the table? I know. Which is a great point. I mean, and he like plays it off like, well, if you just like say hi to me in the hall, that does, you know, that that does things for my name. That does things for my social status. But it's just like, I don't know. That feels like a stretch to me. Yeah. Like, I I, I think it's really on a creep level you know well, i think i'd be a little bit more suspicious as to like where is this plan coming from and what is the end game for you but joey's got a one-track mind here he's got a goal and he's gonna see it through and he kind of does look at this as an opportunity yeah he definitely is all about bianca which when we kind of find out the backstory of joey is kind of fucked up you know it's not, that is true it's not really hard say, to I, that the, much. yeah one of the better kind of moments in this movie i think the little reveal there I guess. <laughs> Patrick eventually agrees to the deal. This is like the first time American audiences were really introduced to Heath Ledger. Who is this Australian hunk? I think everybody knows where how, it all went. Yeah, I mean, he passed away now a decade ago, over a decade ago. And it seemingly was like right when his career was finally taking that next step that it seemed like it was... You know, it is a building weird, towards uh, trajectory for him because it. I do feel like Heath Ledger was a big star, but it is just like, what was really going on with his career in the time in between this and The Dark Knight? Now, I do understand he was in Brokeback Mountain. I do get that. Well, when you look at his IMDb, I think you do expect there to be more hits than there actually are. Yeah. He had a small part. In Monsters Ball, which is like pretty memorable, he was in The Patriot. That's true. Uh, he was yeah. in Lords of Dogtown. I don't think a lot of people saw that one. No, though. I don't know. I mean, most and like, but he also had like a lot of bad movies that were just flat out flops, like uh, The Brothers Grimm or A whatever. Knight's Tale. Well, yeah, A Knight's Tale you would say is like at the beginning. A success. That w- yeah. Well, I, I don't I know, know if I would call it a success, <laughs> but I just meant like that was still like when, the early the, when days, he's like yeah. taking anything to okay raise his stature, right? Obviously, really unfortunate because it it did seem like him playing the Joker was kind of like the moment. Role, crazy performance. Yeah, like things were definitely going to take off. But yeah, I mean, this kind of because of his 
life ending so early, 10 Things I Hate About You kind of de facto becomes like one of the most known for things that he did. Well, yeah, and I mean, I, I maybe I have like a maybe like a biased view of this or something because it's just like you know where it all went, but I, it does feel like when you watch this, he does have like a spark on a on another level than the other young <laughs> actors in this. I, I mean, I definitely feel like that's because you know how it yeah, out you know, like, okay. I remember when he was you first think he's just like, like a complete dope in this. When it first came out that he was gonna play the Joker, I remember being like, "Really? Oh, oh well, certainly, yeah." It still felt very surprising, even though he had been like nominated for Brokeback Mountain and he had done some serious stuff in a couple of movies, but like it still felt like, oh, they're getting that guy from Ten Things I Hate About You. Like that's still kind of how it felt to me. So you were just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see this even now, and you're just like, yeah, Julia Stiles, I think, is the star power here. No, because this was her breakout as well. Okay. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Larissa Olenek were far more well-known than those two. Yeah, and that Larissa really, Olenek, I mean, they were Olenek like, had what? been on Secret World of Alex Mack. And, and he was on Third, Third Rock, Rock from, from the, the Sun. Sun. And he had been like in stuff since he was very little. Angels I mean, in the Outfield. Forever. Yeah. I mean, he had just been around forever. She had had the Nickelodeon success. The other Although two I, were yeah, basically I mean, unknown. Right. There wasn't like a, a star for this movie. No. Right. No, Larry which, Miller. Yeah, it is strange. In like Christopher Guest movies. We haven't mentioned uh, the director Gil Younger, mostly because he's not worth mentioning. Well, he seems. yeah, I mean, he didn't really do very much. But like, when you find out that the budget for this movie was sixteen million, and then you see what it is and who's in it, you're like, I feel like they could have cut this budget in half easily. It yeah. seems like they were spending I mean, money on dumb shit that they didn't need to, like on location filming, the insane ending of the movie with letters to Cleo <laughs> playing on no the roof reason. of the school, yeah. which clearly they were using a helicopter to shoot. Probably was at least a million dollars. He's like, I gotta that. get this shot. This is what makes the movie. This is what's gonna make my career. Needless like crane shots and like spinning three sixty perspective things and it's just like it's a lot really going on. Impressing that, the actors on set though, as we could see from the Yeah, well the documentary look how it the, panned out for Gil. He fucking directed a movie the Miz was in. Yeah, it's not great. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember where we were, but basically You know, it, it a takes, bunch of shit happens and It takes like a little bit of convincing, but Patrick agrees to join in on this plan i know well it's just like what has he got going on i mean it is that's like unclear co- we don't really know anything there's not a lot of backstory to like any of the characters the most defining backstory kind of goes to bianca and cat because we we find out a little bit about their mother leaving and them being raised by a single father him being overly strict it is a weird pitch though but i guess it's like you're self-aware that you're kind of like a beautiful person because it's just like well, it is I'm, funny that like <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt at one point talks about he f- finds out information from Bianca about Cat and he tells Patrick that Cat is into pretty guys and they're acting like Heath Ledger's not like a pretty guy and he's like basically like a Johnny Depp esque guy right. where you're like he is basically a pretty guy but so it's, it's kind of like, weird that they're saying this. You imagine? Can you imagine being approached with a pitch like this? We're like, no, but I think beyond that, uh, it's something that we bring up every time we talk <laughs> about a high school related thing. It's insane 
that people are acting like Julia Stiles is not like insanely beautiful <laughs> and people would be losing their mind. People would not care how abrasive her personality was. Everyone would be into her. She's insanely gorgeous. She looks incredible with no makeup in the movie. You can Strong, tell. Strong, like, independent woman. What's not to like here? She's anorexic skinny, which is well, yeah, kind that's of a little disturbing, bit disturbing. But all the girls in this movie are, even the extras. I mean, it's it just was of the time. People starved themselves to be in movies, which thankfully is over because I'm not a huge fan of the look. It is nuts. Well, now people are into boobs and butts. That's true. And people were just... Nikki, I don't really know that people were actually Nikki Minaj ever changed into people yeah. being this skinny, but that's just the, the perception at the yeah. time. Everyone was like, you have to be super skinny. And so people would starve themselves to be in things. But it's like, I don't know. Did people actually find that attractive? I don't know. Hard to say. It was a different time. I'm sure people did. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure you did. I don't remember being like really into people being skinny i didn't really i don't think i mean i don't, I don't it's not it's like, like a what are you doing thing. you monster eventually patrick kind of wears cat down a little bit i mean it's all very aggressive and depending on how you interpret it i mean i'm sure some people nowadays would kind of find it a like, little bit off-putting that he's not taking no for an answer i mean it's not he's a not little like, bit rapey well no because he doesn't Actually, well, people like, just throw that around now, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, he doesn't actually like assault her in any way. <laughs> no, it's not even like he's touching her necessarily, but it's just like he's not really. He's uh, taking no relentless here, right? And I mean, obviously, the idea the is reason. that she's built up a wall, and she does do things throughout the film that kind of indicate that she doesn't mind being pursued. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that like even from the beginning, I I, I never think that she's like completely shutting the door there. No, because even whenever they go to the party, which is kind of like a big scene in the film. So Bianca really wants to go to this party, and we know the rules. She can't go unless Cat goes because that somehow becomes dating. I I, I don't know. It it becomes like this generic blanket rule of basically like Bianca can't do anything that Cat doesn't do. So Bianca's trying to convince Kat to go to the party. Patrick wants to take Kat to the party. Cameron and Michael are going to go to the party. They've kind of set the party uh, up, really. suit jackets, by the way, which just seems nuts to me. Yeah, in high school. Right. This is reminiscent of the party. Clay from Less Than Zero? Can't Hardly Wait, or even like She's All That, or whatever. Although Bogey, or whatever his name is, the uh, 35-year-old golf pro that goes to school with them is the one hosting the party which well no he's not hosting the party there's no party it's just this is another cameron scheme. and michael take his golf thing and they change the flyer and then throw the flyer out to everybody and so people just show up and he goes along with it and though. like <laughs> well he does the the whole scene is that he doesn't have a choice because people there's so many people and they just kind of barge in and what i was saying was comparing it to the party and can't hardly wait or parties and other teen movies is there's always these insane parties that happen and i just don't think high school parties are ever anything like this. well i don't think so and also i mean it's just like i mean it's usually like 12 angry guys sitting in a basement drinking like, i wish there was yelling at here. mtv yeah that's just like totally gay theme you want to know why <laughs> there's no chicks here it's just but I, I mean cameron is supposed to be like a good dude right but it's just like this is like a pretty shitty thing to do oh well he yeah, i mean he's like this yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty common in movies like this for the guy characters to be so one-tracked mind that, like, 
they do pretty much shit <laughs> yeah. on anyone else's normal lives, feelings, right? lives, yeah. wants, needs, whatever. Cat eventually just breaks down and agrees to go to this party. She kind of, I, I, I don't know why, why she's picking this moment to lash out. I guess maybe well, because of the unexpected kind of attention weird, right? from Patrick, but. But I don't really understand though. Like he does, he goes to this like show to like seek her out. They kind of like have this like interaction that seems like it goes well, but then she like leaves him back at the bar, and they like don't really interact the rest of the night. And then it feels this like this is they, pr- prior to the party, right? And it feels like they have this plan to go to this party together, but when she's at the house, she's not really acting like that's going to happen. Well, she doesn't want to put her cards out on the table. She's still on the fence here, and then she just opens the door, and he's there. Yeah. Right. She doesn't want to reveal to Bianca or her dad like what she's thinking, I think. Meanwhile, I mean, she kind of keeps uh, everything close to the vest. Bianca and Gabrielle Union fully dressed to go to the party. Gabrielle Union, 26 in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Completely stunning. I mean, just looking yeah. next level for she me. She basically, she looks 18. She's 26 in 99 she's probably what like 46 now she looks 26 looks now <laughs> yeah i mean unbelievable eventually cat goes to the party she gets drunk I, I'm, I'm theorizing i don't that, know what yeah it, this kind of comes out of nowhere well, no i'm like theorizing that okay, she's please, doing this yeah. because of the new attention that she doesn't know how to deal with because i guess like the idea is that despite her defenses that she's honed over these past couple of years She's finding herself being into Patrick, and she doesn't really know how to deal with this because this is something that she's avoided and stayed away from. And basically, she doesn't want to be just another average basic high school bitch. Yeah, and she's finding herself having those feelings. Well, this so she gets drunk and then she dances to Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, I I was saying at the time when we were watching this right now, I was like, this is an iconic scene, and you were kind of <laughs> shitting on it. Well, I was like, this isn't the iconic scene from this movie, though. The iconic scene for me is, you know, him singing whatever with Over the, the band. PA system, yeah, right. Yeah. But, like, I will say, something that resonates with, with me on this movie, and it has to with, like, everyone to some degree, is just, like, the idea of going to high school with a girl like this, and then all of a sudden, it, like, just someone who seems like, She's never going to talk to me. She seems very, I'm not going to say bitch, standoffish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's just like all of a sudden like drunk and like just being completely wild. And you're like, wow, all right. Obviously, like booze changed my life, not for the good as time went on. But it's just like when I was 17, 18, and <laughs> all of a sudden these girls that like never talked to me were just like drunk and like, oh, yeah, like, what's up? Like, and it just was like shocking thing to be around yeah and that was something that could happen in 1999 whereas like now the equivalent would be like oh cat has nudes online right and everyone sees them yeah and it was like a, a suicide would come shortly thereafter <laughs> and it'd be like a, a a child pornography scandal because you know she's like 17 and That's people right. are passing them around yeah like her and even like the boyfriend that she sent it to was like just 18 and all of a sudden like well it wouldn't matter right it wouldn't even matter. I mean, you can still get busted even if you're under 18. You can't have that material. Yeah. So, you know, so don't... keep that in mind, Matt. That's right. Don't mess around <laughs> with that stuff, I think, is really the point. No, but... Okay, so 
maybe not as iconic of a moment for you, but she hits her head on a chandelier. Somehow. Defying physics, gravity, <laughs> yeah, logic. Clearly they show her dancing on the table. The chandelier is so far above her head, and then all of a sudden it cuts to a different angle, and she hits her head on the chandelier somehow. Giving our hero Patrick here his moment as she falls into his arms. So yeah, this is our first opportunity to see that like all of the rumors about what a wild and crazy guy Patrick are might not be true because he does not take advantage of her when he, she's drunk. Instead, he takes care of her. He makes sure that she gets home safe. He drives her car. She tries to make out with him in the car. He kind of stops her because he knows that it's not the right time. It's very cheap. One thing that I don't know is when is the moment for Patrick when this all changes? It th- feels like it's pretty quick. I mean... well. Yeah, I mean, he's a mercenary in the sense that he was willing to take the money, but we don't ever get the sense necessarily that he was, like, a bad person. Oh, no, yeah, I know, but, like... So he just isn't going to... I don't know if he's, at this point, already falling in love with her. I mean, this movie's only an hour... Yeah, I mean, it's only an hour and a half. They've barely hung out at all. (laughs) But, you know, things move quickly in this this kind of universe. But that's the thing with a girl like Kat. I mean, it really is. It's the chase, you know? She's that hard to get, you know? Parallel to all this happening... Bianca gets her big moment to finally hang out with Joey, who is, as I think we mentioned, this kind of arrogant piece of shit who's like a model, kind of, and very vapid into himself. One of the brighter moments of this movie, really, how quickly she turns on Joey. Yeah, but it's like she doesn't, she does kind of like get annoyed with him and want to be done with him, but then it doesn't close the door completely because they do like interact a little bit after this. Well, I mean, he is, you know, he's a looker. I mean, it's hard to... (laughs) Cameron sees Bianca spending time with Joey. He kind of flips out, and he wants to call the whole thing off. He tells Patrick this. Patrick is just like, dude, don't give up. You're a better guy than Joey. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you don't deserve what you want. (laughs) I mean, it's like, like, wow, this is a pretty wild... He's like, that pussy's yours. You can take it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it gets kind of weird. I mean, that's the thing. When you look like Heath Ledger, you just see the world in a different way, you know? Evidently. See, first of all, Joey is not half the man you are. Secondly, don't let anyone ever make you feel like you don't deserve what you want. He kind of angrily ends up driving Bianca home because Bianca has the chance to continue hanging out with Joey, but she says she doesn't want to and she needs to go home. Meanwhile, her quote-unquote supposed friend Gabrielle Union goes with Joey anyway. That feels Stabbing her in the back. You know, all of a sudden, like, you had all these hopes and aspirations for where this relationship was going to go. Now you're just angrily driving her home. (laughs) (laughs) But then she just full-on makes out concert tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but she just, like, full-on makes out. I know. Well, that's the thing. I know. That's the thing. You, you think everything has gone completely wrong? And this is kind of the moment where if you hadn't picked up on it as a viewer yet, you realize that the main POV of the movie has kind of shifted because even though there's still a little bit of hurdles out there for Cameron you know, in, in his pursuit of Bianca, this is kind of the big moment already. And regardless of whatever bullshit's going on with Kat and Patrick and the money that Joey is giving to Patrick, it doesn't matter because it's pure between Cameron and Bianca. And you're kind of like, oh, well, this seems kind of resolved already. Yeah, although and it, it kind of is. And you kind of now fully shift to the other story. Whereas when the film opens, Cameron is the one in Alice and Janney's office. Cameron yeah. is the one being walked around by Crumholtz, being shown all the groups getting the bulk of the screen time. So now it's now 
okay, so now we got to shift to being concerned with Cat and Patrick. I will say it doesn't feel that impactful when it happens. <laughs> it's just like no, because okay, it's not well, like a big announcement is made. You just kind of kind of gradually uh, stop oh, okay, having Cameron scenes, right? <laughs> I mean, he's still in the movie, but it's kind of like the majority of the screen time at this point is now Julia Stiles. She really becomes like, the. St- if you look at the cover of the Blu-ray, it's Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger. So I mean, well, yeah, there you go. They see them but, as the stars, <laughs> rightfully so. But it's like I do feel like there's an interesting movie here for the rest of the way for Cameron, where it's all the joy that you get when you are now making out with this hot chick, it, it's immediately followed by how the hell am I going to keep this going? Like, yeah, how can I hold up? nervousness. Right. I mean, it's just like, you know, this smoking hot popular chick just made out with me. I don't know what the hell to do next. Do I play it cool? Do I just not talk to her in the hall? Do I ruin <laughs> my chances forever? Like, I mean, it's just like, that's where the movie should be going from here. The only thing worse than being rejected by the hot popular girl is... Not being rejected. Because <laughs> the, then you're like, I don't really know what to do. Yeah, now. this I really was not expecting this And he kind of does, you know, it's a kind of a brief moment, but he does kind of deal with that where she gets annoyed at him later because he's not doing enough. Yeah. He's not really taking the next step. But it's very brief, though, because like I said, we kind of have shifted focus. I mean, I guess. And if that was it, though, where it's just like he had a chance and then completely. He blows it lost, immediately. But it's just like. That's just something that's just like, how do you ever get over that? You don't. Years down the line, you just be like, God damn. Yeah. You you end up having dreams about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're upset for the rest <laughs> right. of the week. Starting a podcast. <laughs> Not that I would know anything about it. No. Um, no. I guess you could say that another reason why Kat gets so upset at the party is because she does have a history with Joey and... Well, yeah, there is something where it's like once she realizes that her sister's into Joey... She does want to have like a little private discussion with her, fill us in on what what went down in the past there. And her sister's just like, "Get away from me, loser!" You know, like just completely oblivious. Joey never told you that we went out, did he? Yeah. Okay. In ninth for a month. Why? Because he was, like, such a babe. But you hate Joey. Now I do. So what happened? (laughs) Please tell me you're joking. Just once. Right after Mom left. Everyone was doing it, so I did it. Afterwards, I told him I didn't want to anymore because I wasn't ready. And he got pissed, and he dumped me. After that, I swore I would never do anything just because everyone else was doing it. And I haven't since. With the exception of Bogey's party and my stunning digestive pyrotechnics. How is it possible that I did not know about this? I warned him that if he told anyone, the cheerleading squad would find out how tiny his dick is. (laughs) Okay, so why didn't you tell me? I wanted to let you make up your own mind about him. I don't really remember when Kat tells Bianca about her history and her history with Joey, but... It definitely happens in the movie, though. We could say that. Yeah, I mean, at first it's like, all right, Joey... 
I, I I kind of just assume that Joey fucks Gabrielle Union that night, and then he's he's back focused on Bianca, <laughs> because Bianca like kind of turned him down, and I, I guess Joey's like kind of aware that Cameron's in the picture now, and he can't believe yeah. it because Cameron's like this loser or whatever. I mean, it, I so, will say it is like another level like diabolic from Joey as far as just like, all right, well I got Cat, I'm going for Bianca. I got Bianca's best friend. Now I'm going back for Bianca. All the while, things between Joey and Patrick are kind of escalating as far as the money goes. Joey ends up offering to pay Patrick to take Kat to the prom so that he can try to take Bianca. Patrick now kind of gets a conscience, but well, I don't know. Joey's like insistent, and so he offers him more and more money. Um, it's just like a hundred dollars. How can I turn this down? Cat is mad at Patrick because he rejected her when she was drunk in the car after the party. Well, it is humiliating. And that leads to Patrick taking over the PA system while Cat is on the field playing soccer. He takes over like the the stadium PA system and starts Pays singing. Pays the band to play. Kind of a nuts song to pick. When you're talking about lyrically, I love you, I, it's baby. Like, I love you, baby. For a, a girl that you just really, for all intents and purposes, met. Well, I mean, you know, he's just serenading. I her. understand, it's not but really... it's just like I, I don't know. I just feel like you could pick something that's not quite so over the top. Maybe like Jewel, you know, like maybe like some you were meant e. for me, right? Oh, that would be cool. I'd rather fuck you, who? Yeah, yeah. Like salt, pepper, push it, you know. <laughs> You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you You'd be like heaven to touch I wanna hold you so much At long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true can't take my eyes off of you. So then he gets detention, and now I just wanted to bring this up because it's so insane. So Patrick gets detention. Yeah, this seems like Kat a, a decides suspension. to forgive Patrick. So she makes a plan to like go break Patrick out of detention. Oh, speaking of, this is actually apropos of what we like to talk about in this show in general. I mean, it is she's the man esque where this is all heading. Does this happen in she's the man? There's definitely like some flashing in she's the man. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know? I kind of vaguely remember that. Oh, yeah, like both her and the actual brother are like showing their genitalia at the sporting oh, event. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, at the very end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is more of like 
so in order this to is more dis- like Drew Barrymore on Letterman. Yeah, in in order to distract the detention teacher so that Patrick can escape, Cat just like shows her tits to him. Yeah, which is and there's no repercussions for this, and it's never really brought up by anybody and other I, than Patrick at the very end of the movie is like a joke. But it's not. <laughs> it's never like. Oh, you're suspended. Oh, we're calling like a psychologist. We're involving the police. And I mean, there's definitely like a classroom full of mostly male students who definitely get like a side view here, I would think. Right. I mean, if this happened in a detention that you were in in high school, I can't imagine you would ever talk about anything else for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. I would never stop talking about this. It would be pretty wild scene to One see. One time I was like driving on campus when I went to Pitt and this girl was like crossing the street. And I guess like her friend was like on the other side of the street or something. I don't even know what was going on. I was in my car and she just like mooned the other girl. Wow. Like in front of like every, like I saw it. I mean like everybody's, and and I will always remember it because I'll be like, (laughs) it was shocking. It was a shocking thing to see. That is shocking. One time uh, I had a friend. And it was unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, it was unbelievable. unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't think you're appreciating how unbelievable no it that is nuts i don't think it's like quite on the level of that story that you told me of like the girls fighting in like bikinis or whatever like <laughs> in the middle of winter yeah. <laughs> in a parking lot that's right yeah i, like I some can't girl even just like runs across in a bikini and like i can't even like tell that story punch. right now because it's to even set up how that could ha- happen is too hard that's and, true yeah but it, yeah it needless to say that was kind of a crazy and it moment. did happen I think we can that's fair to say. Yeah. Although I could I can kind of understand like I don't know. I've seen people fight. I've seen girls fight before. I mean, trash is trash, you know, it just happens. But that's a like good point. just the idea of someone like voluntarily exposing themselves is something that it's just such a rare moment for it to be a a girl. That is true. Yeah. That you're just like blown away by, it. especially like an attractive one. You're just like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. I'm well, just driving along age... in my car, and then <laughs> yeah. there's that girl's butt. <laughs> like, well, you oh, know, wow. I think it's you know we live in the age of the empowered female, you know. So it's just like, <laughs> hopefully, we're gonna get more of that stuff. I mean, they do make it a point to say that Cat is 18, so it's not this is some crazy thing. But although I'm, still pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it is a teacher, and she is in school. and Yeah, I still think even though he didn't really do anything at all to bring this on, I, I, I still feel like he would get fired There'd be questions. Well, yeah. I don't know if he'd be fired. There would be questions. Right. The other students would have to like testify as to what happened. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of leads to a little bit of a montage between Patrick and Kat. They've kind of made up after I, I, I mean, the fight after the, the party. So the plot device here is kind of nuts. It's just like she's going... To detention to have him sneak out the window? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it feels like the long-term well, sometimes plan here. I think you just kind of have to allow for okay. the fact that it's a teen movie and they're going to set up we, scenes we need some, to like, try to some be... some breakfast club logic here. Yeah, it's it's supposed to just be entertaining okay. to kids. Okay, I can it's go It's not with supposed that. to make that much right. sense. It's very say by the Bell cartoony bullshit. Yeah, yeah. They do go on a date that day when she gets him out of detention. It does turn romantic, Although, but, and we should point that out too. He his pay scale. He's getting paid by the date, right? Yeah. Now he's getting like a hundred dollars a date or something. Yeah. Right. Cat gets mad though because Patrick keeps bringing up the prom and wants to go to prom, and she's against it because she's kind of against everything. 
Meanwhile, Bianca is irritated that Cameron hasn't asked her to the prom yet. And so she does tell Joey that she'll go with him. But none of this matters unless Kat goes anyway, because the rule is still in effect. Right. Yeah. It's not like Kat went to one party and thus it's like Cinderella or some magic spell or something. You know, everything kind of reverts back to like Kat has to do it first. So the whole idea of who is going to the prom with Bianca is kind of moot at this point because although it's still a factor because joey shows up at the house yeah but we're not even there yet i know because but Pat I, hasn't accepted patrick's invitation right yet. but where we're at right now i do try to like kind of go back over this in my head where were joey and cameron in the mix here at this point of the movie like cameron seems like he's pretty well got it locked up well he yeah but that's when bianca gets mad because he hasn't asked her to the prom yet that's true and so that that yeah. kind of speaks to what we were saying was like he he's like, he got over that first hurdle, but right. now he's panicking and he doesn't know what to do and he's blowing it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> tales all this time. Well, sometimes that's the thing. It's like yeah, you can treat you can put Bianca on a pedestal because she's so beautiful, but like once you get past that opening hurdle, she's just like any other human being and you still have to treat her in a normal way yeah you can't you, I mean, continue that's hard to, to be understand. intimidated right, yeah it's like now that you've gotten past that first barrier you have to actually act like you gotta a play it cool human here, being. Yeah. play it cool but also do the right thing yeah which is do whatever she wants it's a healthy balance right <laughs> she wants to go to the prom so you have to ask her to the prom yeah come on so this is when Kat tells Bianca that she dated Joey when they were freshmen and she succumbed to this peer pressure and had reveal. sex with him right and that Joey has a tiny wiener. <laughs> that also gets mentioned. Yes. And she does say, I mean, it's never implied that it's like rape or anything like that, but it's kind of... Well, she definitely has some regrets. Yeah, it's, it, right? it is clear that it was kind of a traumatic event that she regrets doing. And Should be pointed out, too, feels like their mom is dead. Actually, she just abandoned the family. Yeah. Never really fully explained. Yeah. They definitely act like she's dead at one point, and then they kind of walk that well, back, that's and they're just like, mom... oh, she left. Yeah, right. And I'm like, unless they mean she left Earth, I guess she just ran away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After they had sex, Joey ends up dumping her because she tells him that she wasn't ready, and you know she wanted to go slower, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, boy, he, he didn't like, like hearing got that. got rid of her. Yeah. And so that kind of... Basically, it's kind of a bad message to send, and I will say I that will say, it's something that they would change nowadays because basically certainly. what they're implying here is Kat has become this person that she is in the movie because of this event. In other words, she became a smart. normal, healthy girl would never listen to this kind of music and be this abrasive and be this feminist and this much of a nonconformist because... That's not what like good normal girls do. That only somebody that's had something bad happen to them would do this. It's that's kind of what they're saying here. They're like, this is her <laughs> yeah. origin story in becoming the person that we met at the beginning of the movie. It is. It's a strange message. I will say, obviously, Joey, not a good dude here. Really, the villain of the movie. But I will say, in Joey's defense, you have sex with a girl. Maybe it's his first time, and like afterwards, she's like. Yeah, I kind of regret that. I don't really, uh, you know, it wasn't really for me. I mean, it's just like, well, maybe we should break up, you know? <laughs> I wow. Don't know. Real heel turn I'm on just the saying, podcast I, I, right I, I, now. I don't know. I mean, it's just like, okay, well, all right, fine. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think the idea is, though, here. that he's not a good guy. He's not very This good. wasn't necessarily like 
they were in the same boat and yeah you think he was like right out of the gate he was a notch on the bedpost kind of dude seemingly yeah the way he acts now well fuck him then so bianca decides that she wants to go to the prom with patrick instead but she definitely does not or i'm not with patrick uh with cameron categories to go with patrick bianca decides to go with cameron but she never tells joey because she, I guess, agrees to go this with Joey. Is, I know, this is weird. And then, yeah, he does end up showing up after she's already left. And you never actually see the scene where she reconciles with Cameron. That's what I mean where, like, this story has taken a backseat to the Cat Patrick storyline. Because all of a sudden, Cameron is just picking Bianca up to go to the prom. And everything's normal and fine. And they have a fine time. And... Joey ends up getting his comeuppance at the prom. Crumholtz has kind of faded from the narrative here. He still asks Kat's friend to go to the prom, who we haven't really mentioned. Another cute girl who is getting no love from the male uh, student body. Susan May Pratt, who is like a Shakespeare-obsessed friend of Kat. Has that weird 90s like single braid thing off to the side. Yeah, she also was in Drive Me Crazy playing like almost like the Gabrielle Union. No, she was playing like the Gabrielle Union character. She was friends with the popular girl and then she she decides to fuck the guy that Melissa Joan Hart wanted to get with, remember? Yeah. And then Melissa Joan Hart ends up with Adrian Grenier instead. But like she had her sights set on that other guy and then her friend, Susan... What did I say her name was? Susan May Pratt. We might need to revisit Drive Me Crazy. It's irrelevant. Or at least the Britney Spears music video for (laughs) the song from that movie. But anyway, that's who Crumholtz ends up with. Everything kind of seemingly is coming together in a happy ending at the prom until, I don't know, Bianca punches Joey in the face a few times because he was playing, I don't know. He he (laughs) just shows up and starts acting like an ass. Well, no, he tries to fuck with Cameron. Right? Isn't that when she comes up and like punches him in the face? Right. Or he punches Cameron. Yeah, he it gets it, it turns into a whole thing. And then yeah. Joey reveals the arrangement he had with Patrick, which is the first time obviously that Kat is hearing that Patrick has been paid to hang out yeah, with her. Yeah, kind of painful here. Very you know, it's it's that big It's a blow reveal moment, not unlike she's all that or several other teen style romance movies where there's some guys sort of are being paid to revelation. take out hot chicks for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It's like Julia Stiles and uh, Rachel Lee Cook. It's like I don't know the <laughs> hottest chicks imaginable. I know, yeah, it's absurd. It's just, what world are we living in? We're having bets. It's like, oh man, I bet you wouldn't go to the prom with just an ugly dog like Rachel Lee Cook. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I would. It's like I can't imagine the scenario where she would ever even talk. I mean, how many limbs would you cut off? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> I'd be like that guy in the movie Kids. I'd be like rolling around on a skateboard. <laughs> right. Like, I have no legs. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> that was good. People really had to kind of like hold on to this episode, but there is one good laugh at the end. I don't even know which part you're talking about. You with that kids reference. I thought it was funny. Oh, I thought you meant in the movie. Oh, no. There's no- <laughs> nothing good here. Yeah. Basically, Bianca and Kat make up the next day. Their dad basically is like, all right, yeah, you can go to Sarah Lawrence. Maybe I should just chill out about, like, my daughter's sex lives. <laughs> I know. that is. It's like, well, why, why do you think your wife left? You're parading <laughs> you're your daughters too, around in these little pregnancy outfits. Yeah. <laughs> and now, obviously, the big... You say that the the uh, iconic moment is Heath Ledger singing over the PA system. I was saying 
Julia Stiles dancing, but I, I think, think we, we can... both know that this is <laughs> the, the iconic moment. moment. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that if it's online, this is going to be the opening clip. Okay. I can't yep. really think of anything that would be better. Kat reads a poem that she wrote in class. Well, oh, she, goodness, she reads yep. it in class. Uh, she wrote it about Patrick. Called, Just how humiliating. I guess the poem involved. is entitled 10 Things I Hate About You, which is where the title of the movie comes from. The poet, the muse... And everyone exposed to this poem. I can't. It's hard to say who it's more humiliating for. I have to say collectively, everyone involved, it's it, just well, humiliating. It, no, it's, it's definitely more humiliating for Kat. I mean, she's weeping as she's reading this. <laughs> I mean, honestly, my, my gut reaction to it is this is more shocking and horrifying than her exposing herself in the detention classroom. Certainly. If I witnessed both of these events, like I saw her pull her titties out and then I saw her do this, read a poem that she wrote herself and start crying in front of the whole class, the second event would be more scarring, more yeah, it's memorable, definitely like, more horrible. It, it would be like, I feel like harder to talk about the second event to other people. Like it's so that's, Well, that's one of those things where you have to like be there to fully understand how terrible it is. Yeah, right. You'd be like, oh, this girl like started crying reading a poem that she wrote about this guy. You'd be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty dumb. But like you wouldn't fully understand. Get just like how bad it really was. Because I will give props to Julia Stiles. I mean, this is such an absurd moment in the movie. And I, I for some reason, I want to say that it wasn't even written in the script that she was going to start crying here that she just kind of brought it and she really brings it. I mean, this is like a oh, yeah. real cry and you're just like, you almost can't help but laugh because you're just like, this is so insane. And they've been dating for three days. As I said, when we watched this, uh, yeah. if this new relationship between Kat and Patrick is happening, they decide to go to the prom together. She's had this guarded persona because of a bad experience, losing her virginity. She's kind of, become this person and now she's letting her guard down for the first time she decides like she's gonna go with this guy she really starts to have feelings for him and then the rug is pulled out from under her when she finds out that he's been getting paid by this guy that she hates (laughs) to go out with her not a great combo in real life is there any coming back from something like i would say absolutely not yeah i in movies they always seem to somehow forgive the person pretty quickly for things like this and it's just like no but it's like plus it just feels like this has gotten to a level of like it's public knowledge like everyone knows yeah because even if she does have feelings for patrick and even if she does believe that patrick has sincere feelings for her the humiliation of everyone knowing that this started over him being paid to date her it's just you can't overcome that it's like down the line it's like where where is this headed for us are we going to get married is this going to be in the vows the whole story well, about that's the thing it's paid? like yeah i think if you look at it from that perspective of like we're gonna go we're all in this now like yes then if you're gonna get married then yeah i think you can overcome if you if you've decided at age 18 like yes <laughs> we are definitely getting married yeah because then i feel like you can almost get away with anything if you're going to get married. Yeah, if you prove, like, if you're that committed to it. Because then it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks because you've kind of, like, overcome it. I'm trying to think back to, like, high school and if slash when I thought when I was in relationships, like, oh, yeah, we're going to get married someday. <laughs> I mean, just, like, delusions of grandeur. <laughs> yeah, like, I was, like, 16. I'm yeah. like, yeah, we're going to get married. It's going to work out for us. <laughs> 
I know I called you a cunt on the, All right. on the cell phone, but you don't need to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the times that I did the, the so that then, was me I'm talking about. I know. Well, yeah, I think the point is <laughs> we've yeah. all been there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. So after she reads this poem and embarrasses herself in a class that Patrick is in, which they show them in this class several times throughout the movie, Patrick does walk into the classroom at one point and then leaves. I never really thought Patrick was actually in that class because you never actually see him in any of those scenes (laughs) until the end. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's in this class. She reads this poem. After they leave, Patrick has a surprise for her because he bought a fender guitar and it's just like sitting in her car for me this wouldn't kind of uh this feels like a cheap way of making up you know yeah she's a hooker right (laughs) who sucks dick for guitar yeah no i mean i guess the idea is that he used the money that joey gave him so it's no longer this blood money it's a wash yeah we're back to even so yeah and then they basically kiss and they're gonna get together and the movie ends with Letters to Cleo playing uh, I Want You to Want Me on the roof of the school for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cameron and Bianca, nowhere to be seen at this point. Uh, They might show them, well, they probably show them like before this, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I mean, though, because it's so weird that you open the movie with Cameron as kind of like the main character. Because the way they do it is they use Cameron to introduce us to Bianca, who introduces us to cat who then kind of becomes the main character it's it's a weird way to do it but by the end of the movie you're right you're like i guess cameron and bianca are still together post prom whatever i will say there was something that like we didn't talk about really the scene at all but like there was something that stuck with me from this movie when i first saw it that like in a way that like i don't even i don't know what i was thinking i definitely didn't get it the part where Cameron and Bianca go into Kat's room and they're, like, going through her things. First of all, it's super weird that, like, her sister is going through her underwear drawer. Oh, yeah, and it holds up her black panties. Black yeah. panties. And she says, that means she wants to have sex someday. <laughs> and, like, I, I just, like, I remember seeing the movie and, like, being, like, a teenager or whatever. And I was just like, oh, is that what that means? Aha! Panties. What does that tell us? She wants to have sex someday, that's what. She, she, could, she could just like the color. You don't buy black lingerie unless you want someone to see it. You know, I, I don't know. I didn't know what it meant, really. I was just like, oh, okay, wow. But, like, obviously. Well, her logic is that if she owns black panties, that she. Is going to show them off that to somebody. She, that somebody's right? going like, to like see intimately, them. Intimately, yeah. But I. I didn't get that. I just didn't. I didn't know. Even though what she the, explains, I it. know. I was just like, I don't know what. What the? I was like, oh, I guess that's what that means. Well, I thought it was weird when she just holds them up to her face and takes a big sniff and then throws them over to <laughs> yeah. Cameron's. Like, get a whiff of these. Also, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like a really weird part of a PG thirteen movie. It really, yeah, it did feel out of place. But also, great use of one of my favorite tricks when there's like just a smoking hot chick on screen and they slow it down with the music playing when you first meet bianca in this movie yeah from uh cameron's perspective always love that move yeah i mean overall it's kind of a fun teen movie i i don't think it's anywhere near as good as can hardly wait and for me it didn't particularly hold up on this viewing because when you really like break down and examine the plot like the actual story 
it's kind of crazy and absurd and the jokes to me at least aren't funny enough to justify how dumb the story is at times <laughs> i like, think that's fair Obviously, the story in Can't Hardly Wait is ridiculous. It's even more ridiculous than the story of 10 Things I Hate About You, but I think the jokes in Can't Hardly Wait are good enough to justify how ridiculous the story is. Plus, they have a replacement song in it, I think. Oh, yeah, in the end credits. And that other song that we like, Only You. Yeah. Well, yeah, Every I, I would prefer almost every aspect of Can't Hardly Wait to this. Trip McNeely? Yeah. <laughs> One of I the great think, yeah. moments in cinema history. Right. I do think that there is like a, a give us a second out there for us to do of like <laughs> watching all of these 90s teen movies and like ranking them or something. But it's the amount of time that has to go into that for a 30 <laughs> yeah. minute. The juice minisode. doesn't seem worth the right. squeeze yeah. for that. I don't know. It's kind of fun to go back and look at the clothes that people are wearing and the music that's on the soundtrack. The, it's it's definitely like a snapshot of well, it's the late 90s. Now, almost 20 years have passed since I mean, that movie it came is out. a weird thing with the fashion over time because there is stuff that you see in movies. It's like, oh, that looks cool for now. Like Someone could still wear that outfit. Like There's certain things that seem like they can carry on throughout time to a certain degree. But like then you see some shit where you're just like, what the hell is this like open button up sweater that Julia Stiles is wearing with just the top button button, <laughs> like flower purple pants? I don't know. It's, it, well, yeah, like that butterfly shirt that Bianca wears at one point <laughs> that is, is nuts, absurd. Yeah. But then there's other times where she looks like she's wearing stuff you could wear now. Right. So, I mean, yeah, yeah it's it's kind of how like the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, people are kind of dressed in a way that people could dress now. But then if you watch some of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, you're like, holy fuck, this seems like it's from another time. Yeah, this is Even though the sequels are more recent than the original. I don't know. Sometimes it's just wardrobe choices. Sometimes I think different people must pick, like, we want to go with more timeless looks. That way it doesn't look as dated. And then other times you're like, we want to get very, like, of the moment right. fashions. And yeah, those end up looking like crazy. <laughs> yeah. I guess that'll do it for 10 Things I Hate About You, right? I mean, who would have thought that here we are almost 20 years later and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I guess, is the biggest star out of the cast? Although he's... What stuff is he in these days? What could have been with Heath Ledger? Yeah, Heath Ledger won an Oscar for The Dark Knight. That's I mean, Christopher Nolan was, like, scouting in this movie, you know? I don't think so. He's actually casting Larissa Olenek in his next <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, they Larissa Olenek and... Julia Stiles have kind of, you know... They have careers, but... They've kind of faded. Yeah. I did like seeing Julia Stiles pop up in Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. Kind of unexpectedly. That was nice. That's like Alicia Silverstone popping up in Killing of a Sacred Deer. You're kind of just like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> since I brought it up, Silver Linings Playbook, kind of a movie that doesn't really get talked about much already, even though I thought it was pretty great and probably the best movie of that year. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> if we're going to talk about it for a minute. It is weird, though, like the idea of like, because the whole premise is kind of just like, oh, okay, well, let's put these two people with like issues together or whatever. And like Bradley Cooper definitely seems like he has like a crazy disorder in that movie. Like he definitely has issues. But it's like with Jennifer Lawrence, I'm just like, she's just like a normal chick. <laughs> That's like, I mean, she like just screams sometimes. Yeah, she's just, like flipping out at a restaurant. That's like every date I've ever been on. <laughs> All right. That'll do it. Follow the show on Twitter. Thanks for listening. The show's doing well. The downloads are looking good. So we're going to yeah, keep we, doing uh, it, actually. 
We recently passed uh, 10,000 downloads, which, you know, something we're not ashamed to admit, I guess. Yeah, some podcasts that would be, you know, they sneeze at that, they get that, they get at least times 100 a day. Yeah, Yeah, for one episode. But, you know, for a couple of guys just doing this for fun who have no real promotion or no way to get this out there other than to just word of mouth and no real business doing it, really. No. You know, we we were kind of pumped to see that. It's fun and we're going to keep doing it. You know, as long as we are still having fun doing it. And uh, we still have a lot of fun. And even if not, I mean. Yeah, I mean, not every episode has been a dream. No, I mean, well, come on. <laughs> We're still trying to, you know, get it back together after, you know, the the short break there. So I think there's still some good episodes left in us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of great topics for episodes that we we really haven't even scratched the surface yet. Truthfully. Yeah, so don't give up just because you hear one bad 10 things I hate about you episode. <laughs> I thought this episode turned out okay, I considering think so, yeah. how little prep we did for it. Right. All right, so yeah, the episode should be coming pretty regular now, and um, hopefully they'll get better and better. Excellent. There you go. All right, see you next time.
I didn't just masturbate in the study room. I masturbated everywhere. 